Welcome to another episode of the Writing Expensive Words podcast, also hosted on Literary Symmetry's IGTV channel live when recorded. On this show, we take a relational approach to turning readers into fans by using expensive words based on our emotions to write compelling stories. This way, instead of finding customers who read, we find friends and fans who will go on any storytelling path with us as we walk down the winding roads that make up our author journeys. Get ready to learn more about writing the story of your heart right now on Writing Expensive Words. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about something that happened to me last night. And today's episode is titled, When Doubt Creeps In. So today, we're going to learn how to snuff out doubt by using your knowledge and a great support system. So uh, let's rewind (laughs) to last night when I started completely freaking out because I realized that I'm trying to do something really hard that uh, I need a lot of extra help on. And if I don't do it just right, I'm going to be making a lot of people angry. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I don't want that. Uh, If you've been listening to the show, you know me, like my things are empathy and transparency. And the last episode, we talked about um, an article that had come out about fear, writer fear, because of the way that things are going. It's hard because, you know, inclusion is very important. It's a personal goal. I have an accurate representation as well. But at the same time, like, I am very limited by my own perspective, and I've done research, and I've hired people to help me, but uh, I still have doubts. And when I'm having those doubts, I need something to tether me down, right? Uh, it It's like when you're in a boat and you don't want to float away, you use an anchor. Um, so that's basically what I need for myself. And that's what you need for yourself when you're writing, because doubt is going to creep in for sure. It's something that all writers deal with. And so before I start any project, I have a list of goals for the story that I'm writing. Uh, Inclusion, like I said, is always one of those goals. And so is accurate representation. Um, And I also always want to create empathy inside of my characters because that's how I can create empathy inside of my readers. And because I have these goals, I'm very purposeful about how they show up in my stories. Um, So if I can look back (laughs) at my goals when I'm starting to freak out and totally doubt myself and see my reasons for the choices that I've made, because I, I decide about these things before I start writing, then I'm much more likely to avoid making changes um, based on the fear that I feel, which a lot of people are like, oh, what is doubt? Why don't we talk about that? Doubt is actually fear. Doubt is when you fear that the thing that you're working on, the thing that you're pouring yourself into is not going to be good enough or be accurate enough or represent the people group that you're trying to represent in an accurate and compassionate way, in a knowledgeable way, Uh, or just you might have self-doubts like, who am I to write a story? And that's something that we talk about in the Storyteller Mindset, which is still free on the Literary Symmetry website. If you go get it right now, it won't stay free for long because things are happening in the background that you can't see. Um, So (laughs) 
I have those anchors for myself that remind me when I start to get scared, when I start to think that I can't finish a project or that I can't publish a project, that I had these goals from the beginning. There was a reason that I did things the way that I did them. And then sometimes, though, that doesn't feel like enough. And that's when you have to realize that it's good to surround yourself with people who knew, who know more about certain topics and things than you do so that they can check it. So, uh, for example, in the old school series, I'm hiring a sensitivity reader and I'm going to document that process on this podcast. But, you know, I keep myself surrounded by professionals who know more than I do. And that way I can also kill doubt with expert advice. And nothing kills doubt like expert advice does. And as far as uh, storytelling, I'm an expert. <laughs> so I kind of have to remind myself like, hey, you actually know what you're doing. Um, you've studied for a lot of years. You've put in a lot of hard work to understand how stories fit together and how readers relate to these stories. And uh, also what a... <laughs> reader avatar is. And I was working on that for the story starter course today. Um, but also like I'm writing about POVs that I have researched a lot, but I'm still not in those POVs. So I'm hiring a sensitivity reader. It's their job to help me get everything right. And so I'm giving them money. I'm giving them trust to help me make sure that any blind spots that I have are going to be pointed out and that way I can correct them. So it's one of those things where, hey, I'm not an expert at this. I'm going to reach out to someone who knows more about it than I do. And that way I can also remind myself that, hey, you're doing everything you can uh, for this project. And like last night, I, I totally had a panic moment, a panic attack because one of the characters in the old school series, one of the protagonists, because each book, the protagonist switches, uh, is a young black eighth grader. Um, you know, she is interacting with her world. She has her family is black. And I wanted to make sure I mean, I read How to Write Black Characters by Salt and Sage. I'm hiring Salt and Sage to work on this book with me as sensitivity readers. Uh, and I read all the books they said to read. I, I've i been listening to lots of podcasts that are made by people in Black communities for other people in Black communities so I can get a different perspective than like, hey, this is us talking to white people. These are the things you need to watch out for because I've already done a lot of that. I'm trying to get as deep as I can into it. And last night I was like, oh, no. I can't do this. This is no one can do this. Like there's no white person who has written a black POV and gotten it right. And that's kind of what was playing in my head all night as I was trying to sleep uh, unsuccessfully, obviously. <laughs> but then when I woke up, well, when I got up this morning, I did sleep a little bit last night, but not very much. Uh, I started remembering lots of stories that did a good job that were written by white authors who wanted to be inclusive and have accurate representation because that's important to them and that's important to me. And, you know, um, the main POV for this series is a white girl, which is me. So I need to remember that I'm not trying to subvert my own experience uh, to write a series and try to like assume things and make all these assumptions and mistakes. And I'm also 
have a Latino character and his family. And so there's a lot going on in the series. But the reason that I wrote it was because I wanted to show basically instead of a coming of age story, I'm framing this whole series to lead into a YA book that it uh, where a character realizes what white privilege is and that she's in it. Because for me, that's something that I went through and it was pretty shocking because I had never heard other white people talk about it. Uh, And I was like, oh, well, I wish I would have known this when I was a kid. So that's kind of the perspective where the main character for the final book is going to be a perspective that's similar to mine and showing how those things affect her and how they affect her friends who are not white. But I was like, oh, no, do I have to redo the whole end of my series because the way that I have it end uh, is on a positive note because um, I've been listening to Pass the Mic, which is an excellent podcast. I highly recommend it. And also, you know, I've been listening to um, people get interviewed on the Holy Post podcast who are members of the black community. And the interviewer in this case is a white guy. And he's asking all these thoughtful questions and the answers are like, well, we don't want to see things glossed over. And I feel like I did not gloss over things, but um, I feel like, you know, (laughs) have you watched the movie Moxie on Netflix? Because I'm going to tell you a spoiler right now. One of the things that happens is the woman who or the young woman who's running against the guy who um, is being accused of all these uh immoral acts towards women is she loses and in the movie you're like yes this makes sense that she loses but do characters who are not white always have to lose that's the question I'm trying to like and you know Travis was talking through with me and he's like well do you feel like what you've written makes sense based on the time and culture of the area that you've written it in and I was like yes it makes sense like she I'm going to give away a big spoiler, but, you know, I feel like the person who wins is the person who should win because their idea was the best and it flows best with the theme of the book. And I, I always knew who was going to win because that's how I wanted it to go. But I didn't just have her win because of who she is. Uh, like as far as a demographic, I wanted to explore like what if. She goes through these things and she has the best idea and she wins that way. And also, what if the people who are um, running the uh, nonprofit organization who are judging try to take white privilege into consideration in the smallest ways? Like they're not being super obvious about it, but they're like, okay, well, obviously culture influences this. So we shouldn't judge this based on our personal preference, which I feel like is something that people are really working to do better at. So do I just discount that completely? And these are the kinds of things that I'm thinking about in the middle of the night because that's how much I care about the stories that I create. So uh, I had to think this morning, I'm like, okay, go back to the plan. Go back to the place where you made these choices which were intentional And look at why you made them. And I was like, okay, these are good, according to me. So now that I've double-checked that, I'm getting ready to send my whole manuscript, which I have to edit this week, to a sensitivity reader. 
to make sure for me because I can't tell. I don't know. And when you don't know, that's why it's so good to have professionals around you who know more than you or who have a different perspective than you do. Like, for example, I just sent Maria uh, this manuscript and she's like, oh, some of this stuff is in the other stuff you've written. And I'm like, I know it's a summary of everything. And she's all, oh, interesting. But, you know, like I was second guessing everything I was writing the entire time. And so I I sent it to her and I was like, you know what? She has my back. She's not going to second guess things just because she's like because of my own insecurities. If she asks for clarification, it's because clarification needs to happen. If she asks for me to rearrange something, it's because it needs to be rearranged. And she's like, yeah, there's definitely some things that need to be adjusted in this manuscript. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm flexible. That's why I have her. So that when I'm finished with a project and I get too in my head about it, I can send it to someone else who can give me unbiased feedback, who knows in this case, I want to make sure they know my target audience, right? Um, so that they can read it with that perspective in mind, which is what a good copy editor does, by the way. They think about the reader and how the reader is going to interact with the manuscript. So, you know, I had a conversation with her about it as she's finishing up the edits today. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I know she's going to give me the help that I need that I can't give myself in order to help me finish this project. Uh, so that's you know, I'm working on these different projects at these different times, but I have people around me who I know can help me. And I have my plan that I can go back to when I'm feeling doubtful. And I have all these outside resources that I've used in order to shape my plan. That way I can be more informed. That way I can be inclusive and accurate and, uh, you know, get the representation right and be able to reach out to other people and incite them uh, to empathy, which is the goal of this, you know, the old school series is about emotional health. That's the underlying theory. That's the underlying theme throughout the whole thing. And uh, it culminates in the last book. And then there's a nonfiction book that goes with it. So I feel like, yes, what I've done is true to that. And that's now I can just kind of push the doubt away move to the next stage where I show my work to other people who know more than I do. And that way I can be sure to get it right. And going forward, I know that people are not, not everyone's going to like this series. That's just the way it is when you're writing. But when you have your target audience in mind and you're thinking about them and you're thinking about this theme that you want to write about and you're doing your best, it, it has to be okay at the end of the day that not everyone likes it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have to be able to be proud of your own work and be satisfied in it and be satisfied in the hands that you trusted your work into. And then you have to put it out into the world and move forward onto the next project. And I think that is a really big hangup for a lot of writers. And that's where doubt comes in like, oh, well, if you don't have all these amazing reviews right away or if you don't have all these sales right away, it means your book is bad. No, that's not what it means. And there are lots of different reasons why a book launch can fail that have nothing to do with the inside of the book. Of course, there are reasons why a book launch can fail that have to, that have plenty to do with what's inside the book. Um, but I've ironed out all the things about <laughs> how to get uh, the reader engaged. And, you know, obviously I did that crazy thing where I read through 60 indie books and I found all the things. And that's what the Write This Way course is built on. So you 
you have to be able at the end of the day to stand next to, to stand by what you've done and to say, I did my very best. I'm still growing as an artist. There are going to be people who don't like my story, but I am satisfied with it. And now I'm moving on to the next thing. And so next time you have doubts, remember the two steps. First, think about why you did what you did. Look back at your plan, rely on your anchor. And then second, employ people who know more than you do, who have a different perspective than you do, who can help you make informed choices, not based on your personal fears or biases or anxieties. That's all for today. Uh, thank you for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful writing week. This has been another episode of the Writing Expensive Words podcast with me, your host, Kristen Spencer. I'd love to hear your amazing writing thoughts and questions from your awesome writing brain. You can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer or at literary symmetry. Or you can email me at kns at literarysymmetry.com. This podcast is funded by awesome listeners like you. If you'd like to support this podcast and keep it rolling, you can head over to www.patreon.com forward slash expensive words. You can keep all of my hosting and software needs going for the show by donating less than what it costs for one fancy cup of tea a month. And to be eligible to join writing coaching calls with me, check out the $12 a month sponsorship. You will get to ask me questions live about the story of your heart once a month and meet other cool writers. Thanks again for listening and happy writing.